welcome. This is Chris Griffin, and you're tuned in to the Mindfulness, Music, and Mental Health Podcast. Hey, this is Chris, and I'm here with Amanda Pashuko. Hi, everyone. She's an old friend of mine. She's also a colleague. Um, she's a licensed marriage and family therapist. She is really smart, um, and she's really good at what she does. She is also a certified sex therapist, um, who I've known now for a while. We got our start back at a clinic called Walden Behavioral Care. And ever since then, I feel like, Amanda, that we've had a really good rapport and that, um, you know, you were really my first choice for my first person on my first podcast. Very exciting. Right. It's an honor. It's so cool. I mean, it's, it gives me, I really, I seriously have goosebumps right now. Super awesome. So, Amanda, um, I brought you on the Mindfulness Music and Mental Health Podcast because I find that you're a person who's interested in these things. You lend a unique perspective as a sex therapist, um, dealing primarily with relationships, you know, helping, helping people stay in them, helping people get out of them, helping people get into them, right? So... Um, you know, I know that's your main focus, um, but I want to know a little bit, um, first and Merry Christmas, obviously. Um, thank you. How do you use mindfulness in your work? And, you know, I'm going to say here, our working definition for mindfulness is going to be, uh, John Kabat-Zinn. Mindfulness means paying attention in a particular way on purpose in the present moment and non-judgmentally. We'll just say it's being in the present moment, but there's a lot of different, a lot of different definitions right now out there. So we're going to work with that. And, you know, based on that, uh, Amanda, what, what do you do to use mindfulness in your practice? I think that when people are talking about relationships, sexuality, any mental health concerns, it's very easy for them to start to float or fly away in their thoughts and, it starts to become less about what they told me they want to talk about and more of a subconscious rant. And what happens in session is I like to tell people, hey, come back, come back. And they're like, what do you mean? I'm here. I'm like, no, your brains kind of has left. And let's come back to the room. Let's put your feet on the ground. What is the temperature of the room? What are you noticing? We get them right back to pay attention and be in the present moment. And as they talk in that present state, making sure that they're not negatively talking about themselves or making judgments that are not really necessary, not really helpful. So I think that that's something I do almost every hour of my therapy life. Yeah, definitely. Right. I mean, those, these are the kinds of things that you can use every session, every session, you can use these, right. Every session in your, in your private life. So what I love, what you're talking about there is, um, what I'm hearing is, you know, people get stuck in their heads. They start talking. Everything is, is very cognitive. Everything's in the brain. And what we can do is we can say, Hey, you know, bring it back to your senses. You got five of these things. Um, and let's like, just look at that for a minute, whatever it is, like you said, the temperature of the room, your feet on the ground, um, just bringing things back because the body is um, nearly always in the present moment. I can think of very few times it's not, and they have to do with 
more severe mental difficulties than we're going to probably breach on this show. So, um, right. Your body is in the present moment. Um, so yeah, the five senses. And, um, so in terms of, so that's great in terms of in the moment, here I am, let's bring it back. I love you say, come back. Come back. Yeah. It's always come back, come back. Come back. Hey, but I'm here, but you're not right. That's right. Exactly. I think that's the essence of mindfulness, right? Yeah. We think we're, we think we're here and we're someplace else. And I could think of like in, I've done, you know, minimal couples work as you know, but I can think of times when, you know, even when I'm working with an individual and they're, I'm always kind of doing couples work because most people are in some kind of a relationship at some point or have been, and it's been a major right impact on them at some point. So I think of, you know, when people are kind of writing stories in their mind of what's going on with their partner or thinking they should know, right? Like that's when I hear all the time, like, well, well, they've known me for 20 years. They should know that I feel this way or that I think this, right? Right? That mind reading. Oh, geez. Yeah. I think that if we got paid for how many times we hear that, it would be an interesting career choice. Right? And so we we are given the ability to, to say to these people, hey, whoa, whoa, wait, come back. Are we... Um, you know, what are we and, talking about? Right. Are yeah. we are we writing a novel? Is this a fiction? <laughs> or are we talking about what's really going on and you know, telling somebody how I feel instead of saying they've known me for so long they should really know how I feel, right? That's and yeah, they're so resistant. I'm like, well, why don't you tell them? Right? Why don't you tell your partner this? Well, they should know. Right, and right. And that's like if on. you don't, right? It's like this test. Right. We're like constantly. Te- is that really what you want to do? Right. Are you like the school mom and like your, <laughs> your, your partner is Honestly, supposed to like pass these constant tests? I don't think that was in the vows when I it's married couples. I'm like, was that in your vows that they should know? Because I thought that you guys probably vowed to love. Right. And right. Not trying to uh, make it a bunch of rules and regulations of what they should know about you. Uh, worst word in the English language. I'm sorry, but I'm going to say that a lot on this podcast. Should is the worst word in the English language. Um, I agree. Right? Followed by the word fine. Oh, I'm God. Like, ah, that, no. that actually hurt when you said that. I know it hurts me too. <laughs> so I like that's another good point. I think in mindfulness and you're hearing it and I'm hearing it is, um, you know, telling people how we feel in the moment can really help them and give them information about what's going on. And honesty, you know, is always going to serve you a little bit better than kind of the passive aggressive or, you know, hoping that someone knows or somebody should know. Um, So mindfulness gives us the ability to say, what is going on right now? Can I be comfortable with what's going on with me? And can this other person begin to feel more comfortable with, um, you know, how they feel? Mindfulness in my experience of that also is when you're in the moment, you are in this awesome place to rise to the occasion of honesty, love, knowledge. Basically, it's this active engagement in the unknown. When you're right in your body, that's awesome. You don't worry about what's next. It's so awesome. I've never heard it. That might be that might be the the key phrase to this entire podcast. And we're still so early in it maybe, but, um, mm-hmm. that, that phrase to, you know, be, 
just so in it that it's it's like savoring the unknown, right? Because most right. most anxiety is around uncertainty, right? And so, you know, mindfulness is an acceptance of uncertainty. And what you're talking about is that embracing the unknown, what some people call being in the zone, right? Oh, right. Or, it's a great way of right, saying it. You know, and I think that's what people are describing. I'm so prepared. In a lot of ways, this is because people prepare themselves properly and stay in the moment because they're so prepared. They don't have to worry about the future. They're prepared and they're in the moment. And that combination somehow gives you like a real affinity for uncertainty and the unknown. Yes, I agree. And what are relationships except for like unknown after unknown, even after 20 years of knowing somebody and being with somebody, which... I'm fortunate enough to have, have, you know, traveled that road. So, you know, I still am just every day, every day is uncertain. Every day is on, is in, but, you know, mostly in a wonderful way. I had a professor when I was uh, studying to become a sex therapist who would say about couples, the moment that you think you understand your partner, that is the moment at which desire has died. Right. Um, it's so lazy. It's so, so lazy. lazy. It's so lazy. It's actually, I like to, I, you know me, I like to explain things in terms of biology and, and brain science. So it's really, it's just old pathways. It's not being lazy. It's just old pathways being, being lit up because they're more accessible, right? And human beings are going to take the path of least resistance. That's where, that's where we come in, right? That's where mentors and coaches and therapists and um, that's where we come in to, to be able to, you know, we're not telling people what to do. We're just trying to give them a map and sometimes they need that, right? A map that they've found before and haven't used or one that we are like, did you try this map? Yeah, that's a good way of saying it. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Music Mindfulness and Mental Health Podcast. If you like the show, please go ahead and subscribe. And if you really want to support the show, Go ahead and support the products, books, websites, and uh, mental health outfits that uh, we talked to on this show. Um, it's a really good way to support the show and let us know that you enjoy it. Thanks and enjoy the rest of the show. A lot of people do relate mindfulness with music. They can really um, you know, be centered on music, centered by music. Um, so do you use music in your, in your practice in any way, shape or form? Um, and do you ever kind of use it as a mindfulness, um, practice tool exercise? The first part about, do I use it? I would say yes. Did I expect to use it when I was getting into this field? No. Um, but I do. And one of the ways that comes out is, uh, clients come in and if we're kind of particularly stuck and they feel, um, I don't know, mundane, or they're like in this rut in their life, I'll be like, what's your favorite song of the moment? I love that. Uh, yeah, that is a good question of the moment too, right? Of the moment, because it might change in an hour. So they're like, what? It jars them a little bit and brings them back into their bodies. And I'm like, yeah, of the moment. And so they will pick one. We listen to it together and if I'm feeling it, like I will sit and just be in the moment with the song and they will also see how into it I become. So therefore they're like, oh, if Amanda can like close her eyes and kind of dance in her chair, well, why can't I relax while I'm sitting on the couch or talking? 
Okay, I like that. I like that kind of gets them out of it, gets them, uh, you know, thinking different thoughts, right? Maybe even coming right. into the present moment, like we were talking about before, because they're using that sense of hearing, right, in the present moment. Yeah. What I am usually mindful of is, um, and I like that you picked of the moment, the song of the moment, because um, a lot of times it's so emotionally charged. Music is for people or it brings up memories and whatnot. You say, oh, pick your you know, favorite song or they might be picking something that's already emotionally charged for them. I'm guessing right. in the in the of the moment could be either. Right. It could be something that got stuck in their head. It could be something they heard in the car. It could be something. Right. So you're giving yeah. them kind of this wide range of, of different um, types of music to listen to. And I, I do something similar too, where um, I'll, I'll ask, you know, sometimes I have um, people who aren't really talkers. And so I'll give them the opportunity to explain it to me um, via song. So you can play me a song. Um, you can give me lyrics to a song. And what I like to say is like, I may never have been addicted to heroin, right? But I feel like I've heard enough people describe addiction in sitting, you know, my sessions, but also through the pain of, of lyrics like Lane Staley in, of Alice in Chains and people who have struggled with addiction and written about addiction, written songs about addiction, that, that that music medium gives me a better understanding of the emotions that are involved. So why not use that palette with which to paint your own emotions and what you're feeling? Use somebody else's stuff every once in a while, and then we'll get back into like, how can you better feel your emotions? I think that that makes sense, especially, you know, a lot of people don't want to journal, don't enjoy journaling, don't want to write a poem, but people know music. I remember my first experience hearing music and understanding that it meant more than just the the tune. And that was very powerful. And I think about it often still. So I think it's a great way to access those emotions. Yeah. And it's it's less intimidating for people when they can use you know, somebody else's voice and, you know, in some way, um, to be able to, um, express themselves. It feels less scary in some ways. Right. Yeah. Less scary for sure. You kind of gave me a little bit of, you know, the first time that you experienced music as not just right. Like a tune. Um, do you have a favorite music experience and it could be in session with a client. It could be a personal experience, um, as far as, you know, a concert or a song that, that you just remember changing your life for me, that could be about like a hundred stories. So I'll go with the story I was kind of sharing. Um, the first time I remember understanding that music meant something more, I was in Caldor. Do you remember that store? Totally. Totally. Okay. I was in Caldor. I was probably about seven years old with my mother and it was Christmas time. And, um, I was listening to that song last Christmas. I gave you my heart, but the very next day you gave it away. And uh, classic. I was, like, I was like, mom, mom. And I like ran to her in the aisle and she was just like, what's the matter? I was like, this song, do you hear? It's so sad. Oh my goodness. How did that happen? Why would they do that? And she's like, okay, be quiet. Shush. Like <laughs> <laughs> you're making a scene in Caldor, sweetie. I know. I was like, no, but do you hear it? It's so sad. The struggle. They're struggling. It's a suffer. There's some suffering. And she was just like, 
We're in the wreath section buying Christmas ornaments. Please shush, be quiet. And I was like, I can't, like I couldn't contain myself because it was so big and explosive that I still think about that experience and I feel it in my, the pit of my stomach and my heart. It kind of explodes every time I hear that song still. And this is over 20 years later. Right. And that doesn't surprise me. That does not surprise me that music had that effect on you, especially Wham! How, how old are you? <laughs> right. I'm pretty sure that's Wham! Right? I, I think it is. Yeah. Yeah. And singing about just having your heart stolen at Christmas. It was horrible. It was horrible. <laughs> right, dude? It's supposed to be Christmas. You're supposed to be happy, right? You're in Caldor shopping for <laughs> for Christmas accoutrement and, and yeah. you're having your heart broken at the same same time. Yeah, and it was just like my mother like, oh, please, not now. Like, <laughs> please don't do this. And I was just like, I needed to share this experience that I was having of being in a moment and maybe like my little heart was suffering in some way. I really don't recall particularly what was going on, but it something made me feel that pain that that singer was feeling. Yeah, no. And, and you never kind of quite know when it's going to hit you. And I think that's the the magic of music is that, you know, it has that ability to remain with us for such a long time. And I bet, you know, even telling me the story right now, you still have some of those visceral reactions, right? Of, Absolutely. I right? felt it. It's like, if you could see me, right? <laughs> if you could actually see like what I'm doing, um, I, it's, it could almost overtake my being right now. It's so cool. So, I mean, imagine, you know, when we can use that as a tool, in our sessions um, to kind of wake people up. I think we were both kind of saying the same thing and that we use it to help wake people up. I ha- I've had some amazing experiences talking, um, you know, lyrics and, and music with people. And I tend to do a lot of, of uh, quoting of songs within really? my sessions. I do. Oh, I do. It's great. funny because like it, they either land or they don't Right? Some of them people are like, Oh yeah. And they kind of like, look at me like, I don't know what you're talking about. But sometimes like, I don't even care because that was a great quote. Exactly right. You know me. I don't care. My brain just keeps I, going. That's why. Just keeps going. And so, but sometimes, right? If I like, I throw out a line from, you know, I don't know any song on Nevermind, right? And my fifteen-year-old client goes, "Oh, right," and their eyes light up, and boom, I've got them right. I've I've got them hooked. They don't even need to hear anything else that I have to say that day. That was it. That was it. That they are ready to ready to listen to me, ready to hear about the the science of mindfulness all of a sudden um, because I said, you know, um, I I miss you know I miss the comfort in being sad, right? That's one of my favorite lines, and then I just I always feel like whenever I I speak with depressed clients that I, I tend to bring up that line, and I usually if they don't you know if they don't know it, I'll explain it, but. To watch like a 15-year-old light up the way that I lit up. And I don't mean like happy lit up. I mean like, no. right? They just all of a sudden, they're, they're there and they're in the moment. Because when I was 15, I heard that line and I and I got it. I understood it, which is weird because I was a really happy kid. Or at least I thought I was. <laughs> so like, right. right. But when I heard, you know, Kurt say that, like it kind of, it, it, it affected me. And to watch that happen with a 15 year old in like 2017, right? Like pretty amazing, right? It's kind of, 
right? You just get that instant connection. And I think that's another way that music um, can help us out too. I have a question for you, if you don't mind me asking. Yeah, shoot. Do you remember the first time you used music in a session? Because I actually do remember that for me. Do you remember what that was like? Jeez, that's a really good question. Um, huh. I can't. I really can't. I remember, see, I don't even know if I remember doing my first music therapy group because I think I just did it, right? I think I was just... I think I was there for that, like not in the room, but I remember you talking about it. Because I think, you know, at some point you run so many groups in the clinic and sir, if you are out there and you're listening to this and you are a, any type of mental health clinician, you can, you can definitely uh, empathize, sympathize with us on this one. You run out of ideas at some point. Um, and so I think I ran out of ideas for, you know, uh, mindfulness and creative expression. So I just smashed them together and just kind of like started doing mindful listening. I mean, I, so I think it actually started out as a mindfulness group. And I remember the first time doing that, I was basically, you know, doing what I want to kind of like do here, which is just like talking about music with people and watching how it affected them and how it um, gave them therapy just by talking about it and just by getting their minds off of kind of the BS of the day. And that, as you know, just really morphed into this uh, extraordinary group um, that really, like your, I mean, like your group on um, intimacy, it was the same thing. Although, you know, I think sometimes um, people avoided the intimacy group only because... <laughs> That's really hard. Music is easy. Intimacy is hard. It was uh, the most probably walked out of group at the clinic, I think. <laughs> Definitely. A lot of like, uh, and it was great because when people walked out, it was either like, they were like red hot pissed or they were crying or like, you know, it was like, they never just walked out like, oh, I just need to like use the I facilities. Mean, just, you know, yeah. Um, well, I think they had to feel something and um, going through music is an easier way to feel something than talking about sex, relationships, body image, and intimacy. So. Right, right. Um, you could talk about all those things in terms of music, but you can always come back to the fact that you're talking about music, right? And so correct. I think that's the kind of the easy out on that one. Um, that's what I learned from my first experience with music in a session. That's actually what I learned. So I was talking with a um, a male a young male, I would say, who had just um, lost his best friend tragically. And he was trying to explain a relationship style to me that I did not understand at the time. I was a young therapist. I did not understand what he was trying to say. And he was getting frustrated, I guess, with the fact that I couldn't understand. So he said, do you know the song Purple Rain by Prince? And I said, no. And he's like, you don't know that song? I was like, no. And he's like, can we play it? I was like, absolutely. So we played it. And I kind of felt like there was an understanding. And then the next session, I came back. And I came in one of the most confident entrances into a session probably ever. And I was like, I just want you to know, I listened to Purple Rain every single day since the last time I saw you. And I get it. <laughs> I dig. And it was just like the the face that I saw that he was heard. He was understood. I saw him. There was just a bond there. And that is the moment that I was like, 
okay, this music thing, there's something about this. You know, I'll use like if they walk in with a t-shirt on, you know, and it's a band, that's an in. If they walk in with headphones on, which most, you know, adolescents or, you know, even young adults now, um, even adults, I'm sure, to some extent, <laughs> right, are walking everywhere with headphones. They walk in with headphones. Hey, what are you listening to? Right? I mean, that's it's an instant in. And it's an instant, and it doesn't have to be a long conversation either. It can be a short, get to the point conversation about music that gets us into whatever we're going to talk about next, which may be very serious, but that music and that ability to talk about something else that isn't necessarily about you, but has everything to do with you is disarming. I completely agree. If someone walks in with headphones, that's just an invitation to me. So if you're out there and you're a client, okay, (laughs) and, and you're listening to this, right, don't walk in with headphones on and expect not to, or if you want to be like super manipulative, you could walk in listening to something very specific and then be like, Oh, I was listening to, you know, whatever. And I think we should talk about that because that's important today. So you can use that. Yeah. You can use that. Or if you're like, Oh man, now they know my secret. My like, just use it anyway, because we don't know we're not psychics. Please don't switch it up on us. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Don't try and confuse us either. Like that we could, we are, we're easily confused sometimes. People. Yeah. We, we, we are not the, we are not the uh, mental health robots that they're, they're working on. I'm sure at uh, right. DARPA or NASA or one of the other um, <laughs> government funded secret agencies that we don't know anything about. So now let's just talk. I wanted to talk a little bit, Amanda, about what you've got going on um, as far as, you know, you being a very savvy businesswoman, you being a personality and a therapist and a mentor. Um, I know you've been growing your business lately. I know you've been um, branding yourself. And um, I wanted to give you an opportunity to talk about some of the things that are going on um, with your practice and with your, your brand overall. That's so nice of you. Well, one of the things um, I've expanded, I have a new clinician working for me. I hired two more this past week. It's super exciting. I'm so pumped about that because people are getting, getting it. They're understanding that being in the moment, learning to love yourself, that's what gives you these great relationships. And I'm so excited about that mission I wrote a book this year on female sexuality um, that came out on Valentine's Day that is called Playtime, um, A Guide to Sexual Conquest for Women. That was awesome and very successful. It's been a dream of mine for a couple of years now that I've been working on it. And I just started to write a new book that I'm very pumped for, which is geared towards the male audience. Nice. And um, they need the help. We, we, (laughs) we, I love, I love all my clients so much. And it's interesting to put them gendered like that because I don't really even care about gender that much. Like I really don't work with a ton of people who don't want to even say they have a gender. I'm like, awesome. But either way, like I do like this. This is the book for females. This is the book for males. What are you feeling like you're in that day? Because pick that book at the time. Um, Because I do believe that there's a masculine feminine energy that's different than male, female. But I do believe in that uh, concept of one person contains the moment and one person is in the moment experiencing it. So 
this book is going to be written for the person who has to contain the relationship or the emotional sexual scene. Okay. So they're, they're adding a balance. They're adding a balance there. Yeah. I like that too. I mean, I, I think, you know, I think the kind of like the strictures of, you know, society maintain that you kind of simplify things for people, which is fine. I mean, I think it's good. Like it's, I agree with you that there's probably more an expanded, um, you know, identities and sexualities out there that are on a spectrum, I believe. Right. But people need it simplified for them. You know, people need it, you know, the way that they're, so one of the things about this podcast too is breaking down uh, misconceptions about mental health and what it means to get help. And um, I think that's, you know, something that, that we can help break down, but first you got to make it simple for people, make it accessible, right? I think that's the first thing we want to do is, is make it accessible for them. And you can put whatever you want in there, right? You know, it's just, right. it, it's, it's presenting it in such a way that, um, that people get access to it and people are, are, they gravitate to it a little bit. And so I think if you're, you know, just talking about masculine and feminine and you're talking about spectrum and it, that's still all stuff that kind of, really only applies in certain, um, like in our field, right. Or in people right, who yeah. experience that, you know, people who really experience that, um, shifting identity or different identity or having a different, you know, sexual preference or identity. Yeah. I think that what you said is perfect. It's spot on, uh, to what my con the concept is. I don't want to use these words that only people who are in my field will understand that's not helpful. That's not my mission or my purpose. And I love what you're doing with the podcast to break that down. Okay, mental health stigma, mindfulness can be used for everybody, music everyone gets, but mental health, whoa, 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 like how is that? Does that fit in? You know, I love that you're like, nope, we're throwing it in there. We're going to help you understand. Right, I'm going to use that stark language. I was like, oh, music, mindfulness, and mental health. <laughs> it's like, Ugh. I'm going to stick that in your face. You know why? I'm sticking it in your face because like, I want to, I want to crack it in half. I want to like make something like a dough out of it. I want to like put it in the oven and then create something that's delicious for everybody to consume. Because I think, yeah. I think this is the only thing that can save us from complete obliteration on this planet is, you know, getting help, being able to seek help, being mindful um, enjoying yeah. the present moment, hating the present moment, being sad in the present moment, whatever the present moment's giving us. So Just being right in the here and now is the most powerful tool. And I think that it's so great to break the stigmas around different, whether it be diagnoses or identities, why it's not needed. Let's just be here. Do you, I do me, that type of, um, that type of mentality is, so cool and radical for right now. It is. It's. I mean, and mindfulness. It's so funny because it's all about being in the present moment, and a lot of it is about um, being in touch with our emotions so that they don't um, boil over, right? So that we experience our emotions at uh, at a healthy level, and you know, sometimes even at a an accelerated or or you know a raised level, but that we don't get overwhelmed, basically. So, um, right. A lot of this is about telling people like that's what it's about, that that mental health is about taking care of yourself, right? The mental health is about um, being able to have skills and a skill set and learning about how our brain functions um, and how it functions with 
other people, right? That like our brain and our energy doesn't function just within ourselves, that it functions in con- oh, conjunction, junction. What's your, What's your function? function? <laughs> right? It works in conjunction with other people. Um, Correct. And that, and that's what we're doing. And um, you and I, we've, we've, um, you know, we've had clients that, um, you know, we've referred to each other for things and man, the ones that do really well, um, really learn about the present moment. And they, they also, they, they learn a lot about the past. They learn how to plan for the future. Um, but they really learn about the, the greatness of the present moment and greatness doesn't always mean happy. Greatness can sometimes mean consuming sadness when the moment or really just being able to tolerate your anger at a high level without reacting to it. So those are always the people who do best. For the listeners who don't know, um, Chris and I have had this awesome experience of being able in private practice work uh, to work with clients and pass them to one another, like an alley-oop of sorts. Like, all right, I did it. Like, and the, the combination of the two of us together, we're so different, yet so grounded in being the present, being your body, that the client can really get it. They're like, I understand what I'm doing here. You're just showing me two different ways to get there. Right. It's the, it's the same underlying theme, but we're just putting a different, you know, emphasis on it. And that's what mindfulness really is. There's like a base of mindfulness. There's kind of this, you know, you know, learn to be in the present moment with your breath or with sensation and, and those types of things. But then you can drag it into any other area of your life, whether it be relationships, whether it be, you know, trying to get a new job, really practical things, you know. Um, yeah. And so I think that is another thing that we can talk about, too. Um, and, you know, maybe not right now, maybe in a future time, but is how do we as as professionals do that more often? Like, I don't think I see that happening enough where, you know, I'm willing to get to the end of my point and say, this person really wants to work on a relationship and let me send them to Amanda because she is the best at that. And I think sometimes we get a little worried that our people aren't going to come back to us or that, you know, they're going to get stolen or something like that. And, yeah, you know, right. and, but it's also a trust that we have too. I mean, it's hard to like hand somebody off, right. And say like, now I'm trusting them in your hands. But I mean, I think that's why we need to do more stuff like this where people can hear you, hear what you do, get an endorsement from somebody else and, and kind of, you know, help each other out to help more people and to help ourselves when we get stuck, right? To send them to somebody right. else who knows and has an expertise in that field, which is why I'm trying to bring, you know, experts in the mental health field in different areas onto this podcast. Yeah, I, I think that is such a cool way of saying it because a lot of times um, I know my limits of this is what I do. Oh, you need this? Not my thing. Like, yes, I could be in the moment with you, but at this moment, you need to do it through this way. Go talk to Chris. Go talk to this therapist. And I don't have fear. I don't live in fear that that's the end of a relationship. I just know that maybe my purpose is completely done. They don't need me anymore. That's our goal is to help people fly and succeed and you know what? If they have a relationship issue in the future that they aren't really getting the feedback they want, they still have my number and they will find me again. 
Definitely, definitely. And I think, um, you know, again, so people out there who are listening who are either, you know, tuning in as a professional or tuning in as someone who's interested in mental health or seeking to um, get um, mental health services in some way, I would highly recommend um, Amanda and her practice. Any other specialties that you have within um, your practice that um, you want to talk about? I think that, um, you know, a big thing that comes up with relationships uh, and overlap between body image, eating disorders, um, because of the self-consciousness, trauma of sorts like PTSD, and um, I have a bunch of veterans right now that I work with, which is really cool, I think. That's fantastic. Yeah, LGBTQ. Those are the main people who get to me. I also have this really um, specific fascination and interest in ADHD, which I don't know why it doesn't really go with the rest of my things. That's just more personal. That's my personal excitement to work with that. But I see those people too, because sometimes it's really difficult to be in a relationship with someone who has ADHD if they're not, you know, containing themselves and working through that. So I'd say those are my main, my main people. That's cool. You'll want to listen. I'm going to try and get uh, Deborah Burdick on. She's, Cool. Um, the brain lady. Um, she's another yeah. local um, mental health provider, very into mindfulness and um, ADHD and mindfulness as not using drugs to treat ADHD <laughs> through mindfulness. Um, and she's written books um, on that. So that'll be something that you might want to check out because um, she's uh, she's definitely a, an expert in the field. Cool. I'm just so thankful and grateful that you were able to spend this time with me um, and, you know, talk about stuff that interests me and interests you and hopefully interests a bunch of people out there. And um, I just want to say, let's do this again real soon. And, um, Absolutely. you know, we'll talk about, maybe we'll get a more, little more risque. Maybe we'll get Why a little not? more risque. I mean, maybe we'll, we'll go blue. We'll see if the audience can handle. Yeah, we got to actually, this is like, we're going to test it out. We're going to float this out there and, and see how people react and then, People might be like, no, get racier, man. We want to yeah, hear some, some We can stuff. do that. We've done this. <laughs> we have. We have. And we can. Um, so Amanda Pesciuco, thank you so much for um, being on the Mindfulness Music and Mental Health Podcast. And we look forward to uh, speaking with you again soon and getting you in the studio. Thanks so much. Have a good one. You too. Thanks for spending some time with the Music, Mindfulness, and Mental Health Podcast. Hope you can join us again soon.